0: Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 260 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I'm really excited to be diving in to to part one of the season five finale. Oh my goodness. Can you believe we are here? And this week I'm going to be talking about the lessons learned from a year of foundation building and being in the midst of so much upheaval. We could say that it's just COVID-19, but we all know that there's so much else going on in the world that I feel like this balance of my word of the year has been foundation, and yet we've been in so much upheaval. What are the lessons learned both in my life and from this podcast and in my business that I could share with you all in this show as part of the finale? I'm really excited to get to it. Before we get to that, I want to wish you all a very warm welcome and say I am so glad that you are here and spending a little time with Jumpstart Your Joy. If you're new to the show, Jumpstart Your Joy was launched back in 2015, and we are now in the sixth year of production. And so it's really exciting to be here. If you want to find out more about the show or about myself, you can head over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. I'll have some links to past episodes and some of the books that I talk about, and you can find that at jumpstartyourjoy.com, season five, just the number five, and you'll pull that up directly. While you're there, make sure that you sign up for the Three Joyful Things newsletter. It comes out every Thursday, and it's a great way for you to get a gentle nudge, a loving reminder that there's a new episode out for you to explore. And you could also forward that to a friend if you love the episode and want to share it. And you can find out more about myself. The, The background is I'm a project manager and have been for 20 years. About five years ago, I went to go get trained as a life coach and decided to start a podcast because I thought I wanted it as a marketing arm for this new coaching business that I was creating. And one thing led to another. I followed Joy and created a podcast and then people started asking me, Hey, how'd you do that? And can you do it for me? <laughs> so now I'm a full time podcast producer, strategist, and manager. Uh, I love what I do. You can find a little bit more about that on the website as well. So, a couple of little call outs since we're rounding out season five, I want to share with you, I've been interviewed several times recently, and I would love for you to go check out these sites and these shows because they're all so great. I love these hosts so much. So, I was on. 40 Minutes of Faith, where I talked about the book of Ruth. My background uh, education-wise was at Yale Divinity School. So I love talking about Ruth. And that's with Barbara Cox. So go check that out, 40 Minutes of Faith. I was on Steady She Grows podcast with Casey Jordan. And she is so amazing. We met at She Podcast Live back last year in Atlanta. And I love her show so much. She's very uh, business-minded and very systems-minded and we talked about growing a podcast and we talked a little bit about Well planned and loosely held. And some of the other things you hear me talk about here, it was a real treat to get to share that time with her. I also was on Midlife Schmidlife with my friend Liz Applegate. And we talk about finding joy in hard times. And then on Monday, August 31st, I'm going to be on Christy Tending's podcast, which is Tending Your Life. And we talk also about how do we find joy right now and why does joy matter? I will link up to all of those in the show notes. And I hope you will pay those podcasts a friendly visit and see what's going on with them. And then another one that I just can't resist talking about is my friend Jennifer Hancock, who I know from Divinity School. She started making these amazing masks. She calls her company Be Well Face Masks. It's on Etsy. I have yet to find a face mask that fits the way that hers do. They are really well made. They are beautiful patterns. She uses elastic that works so much better than the other ones I've seen. I want you to go look up her stuff and go buy because it's so good and they're just so beautiful. And you can totally tell she puts her heart and soul into this. And so thank you, Jennifer, for making such a beautiful mask. And I will put the links for y'all to go find these in the show notes. Okay, so let's jump in to part one of the season finale for I can't believe it's season five. And season five has been really interesting for me. We started out a while back in, I think, September of 2019, just for context here. And the first episode was about mindfulness. And what a great way to start with Orange J. Sofer. I love that episode so much. And and next week, we'll do a, a top 10 countdown, which is one of my favorite things of the year. But it was an interesting foundation, if you will, for 2019 and season five. It's really hard as I look back in the past these years, it's been pretty easy to do these wrap-ups and these like reflections because things went as we all planned. (laughs) And it's hard to do a wrap-up right now. I think mostly because we're so very much still in the middle of things. We're in the middle of the pandemic. We're in the middle of an election cycle that feels really tense. We're in the middle of more race, inequality, reformation, And we're also very clearly in the middle of looking at global warming, I think, in a real way. As I'm recording this, Hurricane Laura is about to make landfall in uh, Louisiana and Texas. Northern California, which is my home, has more fires than it has ever had. Um, Two of the biggest in the state's history at the same time. So those are things that are very real. And I think it's hard to wrap up anything because... We're still in this place that we would call the messy middle. And that's a term that I first heard from Young House Love. And they also have a podcast called Young House Love Has a Podcast. But they talk about, especially in the idea of when you're doing home renovation projects, you hit that place where you start out with a plan and then you've taken everything out or you've ripped everything up. And then you're like looking around wondering what in the world am I going to do This doesn't look like anything that's ever going to become a reality. That's the messy middle of like you hit that spot where you're so far away from the beginning and also so far from the end that you don't really, you can't recognize anything in the messy middle. And so I think 2020 has been that. It's thrown us so very really into and very viscerally into the messy middle. And it's very, what? It's hard to find our footing. It's hard to know what the foundation is, which has been one of the ironic things of that being my word for the year. And and so I think... This wrap up is more of a reflection of what does it look like to be here in this messy middle right now where it's hard to even trace the beginnings of so many of these things, let alone know what the end is like. And I think that's an uncomfortable place to be. But let's see what it looks like in here. The first thing that I know is that this is an invitation to love or at least acknowledge what is instead of that human nature to jump to the next thing, meaning what is right now? What is this moment in history? What is my life in this moment? And of course, Loving What Is is inspired by the author Byron Katie, and she has an amazing audiobook that if you're looking for something <laughs> to listen to, go check out Byron Katie Loving What Is. Because 2020 has given us so many opportunities to sit with discomfort and it's likely more discomfort and more upheaval and more heartache than most of us have seen in a single time before. And that kind of upheaval will pull you away from your usual comforts and your habits and many of the things that you know to go to that bring you joy or to calm you down or to keep you content. And if you want to hear more about that, go to last week's episode where I talk about how do we find things that are not the bed-in-a-bag version of joy. And I think it's a really interesting question. What do we do now in this moment where so many of those things that we're used to are taken away from us? Like we can't just go to Disneyland. We can't just go see a movie. How do we find joy right now? How do we sit in the discomfort of right now and figure out what this looks like? And you can probably guess that I'm, and I probably said it before, I don't really buy into the idea that we should look for a silver lining in all of this right now. It feels almost cruel or dismissive, or like we might miss some of the really big lessons of this moment in history if we move into the next thing, which if we move right into announcing that this is somehow a big blessing in disguise. And I do love that song. I think it's by Laura's story called Blessings. And and the song, I'll paraphrase it to something about, you know, how do we not know that all these Lonely times and tear filled nights aren't a blessing in disguise. And I think that's true, right? I think a lot of the hard things that we go through in our lives and the hard things I've been through in my own life, there is something that becomes a blessing out of it. But I don't think that when you're in the middle of it, that's the time to try and figure that out, right? Like you're, you're too close to the situation to know what the actual blessing is on the other side of it. So let's let go of that part. And I think it's okay and it's healthy and it's important for all of us to let go of the idea that we have to find the blessing in the moment because it's okay to say that this sucks. It does. And it's okay to say that and talk about it and be frustrated about how this is going and be really bummed out that you can't see your parents or your friends and your family. And there's just a lot to sit through and wade through with all this. So it's okay to admit that this sucks right now because it does. The other thing I'll say is that I'm really not a big fan of, there was this meme that went around social media around about June, I believe. And the question was, what if 2020 isn't canceled? And so I agree with the sentiment on the one level, because I really like turning that on that question on its head of what if it's not canceled to what if this is the year that changes everything? Like we asked this question back when I was in Courageous Living Coach certification program, which is where I became a certified life coach. And I can link up to that as well if you want to see. It's a great program. One of the things, one of the posters on the wall when you walk into that program is, what if this is the weekend that changes everything? And it's so great when you can give something the space to allow it to be the thing that changes everything. So I think we could say that about 2020. What if this is the year that changes everything? It means that each one of you and me and all of us needs to grab the bull by the horns right now and jump into action. You and I need to move from letting that little quote be inspirational to making it our intention to be the change that we seek, and then for us to take the action to make the change happen. And At the same time, we need to be able to sit with what is in the moment to really understand what that change should be. All of this takes a lot of personal oomph. (laughs) It's the only word that I could come up to explain it. It takes a lot of dedicated personal strength to resist that temptation to jump to the happy ending that we really want for ourselves and that we want for the planet and that we want for each other. And it really takes us sitting with what's going on right now. If this right now is uncomfortable, let's ask why. What can I do? And who can I be right now to change that discomfort? Meaning what are the big pain points that I see? Where is joy missing? What do I need to do to bring more joy into the world? Where's that discomfort? And who do I wanna be when 2020 is over? And how am I gonna take action to be that person? Because if we're looking at my word for the year, I find it interesting in this space being given so much upheaval that foundation, when I walked into this word at the beginning of 2020, I thought, oh, well, it'll be talking about me building a new foundation. But I also see in writing out these show notes, I think it's also about ripping down the parts of the foundation that don't work, that aren't holding up the building anymore, that need to be addressed and overhauled and kicked to see if they fall apart. <laughs> I started watching a home restoration show uh, put on by, I don't know, it's a British restoration show and they're restoring castles, you know, and some of that, some of that stuff just isn't going to get repaired because it's so old and in such disrepair. The, The second thing that I see about this year is it's really been a challenge and it's challenged me to build a pattern of consistency that's bolstered with resilience And what do I mean by that? In any creative outlet, like creating a podcast or writing a blog or running a business, I think is also a very creative event. You have to be consistent. You have to create things on a regular basis, whether that's your newsletter or your social media or whatever you're doing. It's all a creative process. In the story of this year, one of the people that I worked with in the last 12 months used to continually insist that she could only record a podcast episode when inspiration hit. And I've done episodes about this, and my general take on it is this is not true. (laughs) You should not be waiting to do your creative thing until inspiration hits, because inspiration hitting is kind of a fleeting thing if you just are waiting around for it. The thing that I do recommend is that you build time into your schedule to sit down and do your creative thing because then it sets the, you know, it sets space for it to happen. It invites the creative muse in and you are setting up the expectation for yourself that you're going to do something creative with that time. And so I've found that this year has shown me more about resiliency and consistency than I would have ever guessed. I've had to focus beyond what I've ever done before to be able to get work done. And I've had to find creative time to use to get work done like I've never done before. As another side story, I went to podcast movement in February. And one of the quotes that came out of the podcast movement event was something that kind of made me laugh because it was, you have to create a podcast to have a podcast. Now, some of you are scratching your head and going, yeah, and... (laughs) But there's so much wisdom in this little nugget of a quote, because anything that you want to build takes dedication. It takes creation. It takes time. It takes passion. It takes interest and love. It's not going to go fast usually, and it's not going to be easy usually. And when we find ourselves in this place that's the messy middle and it's difficult, I'm finding that a pattern of consistency is both the key to getting things done and it is also at the same time very difficult because there's so many distractions with everyone being home that and we're with everyone being home and as Eileen Smith said uh, she works with people who've suffered from trauma and PTSD. She even said that during this time right now, we're kind of in a trauma vortex because the news cycle just keeps kicking up real events, but the world just keeps cycling around in these bad news events that it it makes it really hard for us to pull out of that and to be able to experience something else. So I'll link up to that one as well. I love that conversation so much. The end result is that we are spread super thin right now. And that's where setting up a plan and a habit of sitting down to do your work comes into play. I know for myself, I've had to become very protective of my time, especially when I need to finish work. I really liked what Tammy Hackbarth, who was on, I guess that was just last week, said about splitting schedules so both parents, if they're home, are available for kids. Maybe one parent takes mornings and the other takes afternoons, but like really making it clear of who's on point for things. Because if you're a creative entrepreneur, or you just happen to be working out of your home right now, maybe for the first time, The reality is that work needs to be done and to get it done, you can't wait until inspiration hits or you can't wait until there's magically some time to get it done. Like you're going to have to carve this stuff out for yourself. And especially around the creative piece, I'm just not finding that I'm having a lot of inspiration float in magically these days. (laughs) Like my brain's busy thinking about how are we going to get all of us online at the same time in our house? There's not a lot of room for inspiration there. And so I the, the important takeaway here is that creating room for your work is similar to planning anything else, like planning a party or a trip. You need to put in the planning up front and set the stage to get to the joy of the actual event or the joy of the creation of the thing that you do. And I've noticed that in this last year, the practice of hunkering down and focusing and finding ways to create space, both literally and figuratively, for myself has been really important. And some of the things that I've done in this last year, some of these make me laugh, but I ordered a folding screen for myself to put behind my desk because my desk is in our kitchen. And especially in the early months of March, April, May, it was so distracting to me to have the family come in and and get their snacks or get a drink or just do normal kitchen stuff. There's not usually been anyone home with me. And so I had the space to myself, but I found myself getting really distracting and so I purchased a folding screen from Target and it's really worked wonders. (laughs) It also acts as a recording booth now for me. Sometimes I'll just put in my earbuds and play music. I find that also sets up a space for myself to focus in a different way. I often head back in to do some work after the kiddo goes to bed because this is quiet time and like right now I can record and there's not a lot of interruption I've also started relying on checklists and some really strong foundational type pieces that taps back into what I know as a project manager. Like that's been a place of comfort and a place that I've gone to naturally. And so I do have a dashboard for myself and all my clients that shows us exactly where we are, exactly where things are in the process and what's coming up. It's usually as much as two weeks to three or four months out. So when things go a little sideways, I also know, do I have any slack in the system that I can cheat with here? Or do I really need to buckle down right the second and get this thing done? And that's been really helpful. One of the tools that I use is Basecamp as a project management tool. And I use it pretty much for myself and the editor. And it's been really helpful. The third thing is that I've noticed about Joy and this year and Foundation in the Messy Middle is... Really Embracing the Path that Moves You to Joyful Tears. I'll explain this title in just a second. But back in June, Yale released a study that really piqued my interest. So since I'm an alum, I get these weekly newsletters. And they sent out this study that said that you're more likely to stick to decisions that you make when they are rooted in emotion. And they talked about people making purchases like a camera or deciding on where they might go to college, among other decisions. But what they found is when people are excited and feel a connection to a decision at an emotional level, they are more likely to stick with that decision, enjoy it, and be happy that they did it when they look back on it. And this is amazing to me. I mean, I think we all knew this maybe intuitively, I've wondered how and why I've stuck with podcasting for the last six years now, because I think if we all look back and whatever led us to the moment we're in right this second, there's things that didn't work along the way. Like I had a blog for several years that just never lit me up. It felt like a big should. And for a while I liked doing it. I was documenting how I was leading retreats, but it never like just, made me that excited. I loved leading the retreats. I didn't like writing the blog about it. I also created a stationery company at one point. I've clearly always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I had a stationery company and where I designed stationery with a lot of glitter on it. And I loved that. But then when I got into the nuts and bolts of like, how do you scale a stationery company? It became totally overwhelming because it's a very thin margin. And (laughs) to truly make hand make each piece of stationery by hand was crazy. If I'm looking back though, I think that the Yale study is showing what my life coach training also taught me, which is when you get wrapped up in the shoulds, air quotes, shoulds of life, or you make decisions based on how you think things should look or should be or should feel or the things that you think you should, there's not a lot of incentive to stick around with it. This is why I don't really, you guys probably already know this, I don't really like the idea of having a social media blueprint or a some sort of a blueprint that's going to teach you how to launch your business because nobody's business and nobody's social media is going to be exactly the same as each other. And when you start to buy into these things, the shoulds come up and then nothing feels like it fits and you get frustrated and you just want to leave. (laughs) And so on the flip of it, when you feel joy about something, and when you really root into that feeling and something lights you up and you feel energized by it well that's when it's going to stick so even though this year has been difficult and there has been plenty of opportunity for me to get distracted i've kept going which uh, that being the first thing i'm very proud of myself that i've kept going you know the episodes i think there's been a couple that have been delayed by a week but i kept going and i think that you also you have kept going you're still here and that is something to be proud of for yourself as well. The second thing that I think this shows is that if you really love doing something and if you really feel delighted by it, then you should follow it. And I know I've done full episodes about this before, but like when you are curious about something or when you can't stop thinking about it or when you can't get enough of it, that's the thing. Go after that thing. I don't know what it is. I love podcasts. I love podcasts. Before I ever thought about creating one, I used to listen to them when they were very first came out, and I would listen on the way into the ad agency that I worked at. I would listen on Caltrain, and I loved Cornelius Fitchner. I wish he would come on the show, PM Podcast, Project Management Podcast. I mean, it was just fascinating that individuals could share information with each other on an iPod, and that's where I first heard about it. But I didn't really get into it until I think it was a good 10 years later. And so sometimes things like just stick with you and you can't let go of them for a really long time. You don't have to know where it's headed to get started. started. That's another really important thing to know is if you have this inclination about something that you need to do, it may not make any sense right now as to why you would go take improv classes or why you would go get your life coach certification. I don't know. But both those things make me a really great podcaster. There is a clear reason when I look back, but the important thing is just to take the first step. You just need to start working towards your thing. I would never have dreamed six years ago that saying yes to a podcast would become my work, my business, and that it would become something that sustains myself and my family through a pandemic. And yet here we are. And I really pinched myself about being so lucky to get to do it every day. So that's that piece. And I have to share one more story about where the, the title for number three, which is Go to the Path That Moves You to Joyful Tears. I was listening to a, a new to me podcast last week. It's called the Wholesome Fertility Podcast. The host was interviewing Dr. Christiane Northrup, which is she's, of course, a famous OBGYN. And she was asked how she got her start in the field. And here's what she said. Go to the path that moves you to tears. When I first saw a baby being born, I wanted to fall to the floor with joy filled pain. Pain filled joy. End quote. I like had to rewind that so many times just to get what she was saying about joy filled pain and pain filled joy because I, I mean, I got it at a visceral level that, that like I understood she was talking about that deep ache that joy can have this tinge to like achy pain. And sometimes pain can have this twinge over to joy when it's that thing that you just can't get enough of and that you're blown away by and that you never want to stop doing. And that thing right there is your purpose. And she saw it, the path that moves you to joyful tears. She saw it the first time she saw a baby being born I don't know that I heard it the first time I heard the PM podcast. (laughs) But I think joy gives you that nudge as to what it is for you. And so it's been interesting to see that thing pop up again and again and again with joy for me now and over the last six years. Number four is the last one. And it is a small thing can change the world. On NBC News one night, the reporter was asking school children, what they thought of or what they knew about the coronavirus. And one little boy said that it, quote, goes to show one tiny thing can change our entire world, end quote. And of course, there's always like these magical things that little kids say, but I, I this one got me good because I wrote it down. Because while it's true for the virus, his insights are also true for joy, It's true for change. It's true for every good thing and every bad thing in our life. That one tiny thing happening can change our entire world. One tiny thing. Also true of religion. Oh my gosh, it goes everywhere. And while I know I said I'm not ready for a silver lining here, I'm not. And I'm not ready to jump to the end or the next thing or try and make a cute meme of this at the moment. I do think that this child's observation is something that we need to embrace as we look at sitting in the messy middle right now. And it made me think of these questions, which are, what's the change that you want to bring about in that lens of what's the tiny thing? Where does that start? Who do you want to be on the other side of this pandemic? What do you want normal to look like now? what do you want normal to look like? That's become something at our house. It's like, okay, so we're in the middle. We don't know when this ends. How do we make this normal or this thing now and our house now feel like what we want it to feel like now? What parts of your life's foundation have crumbled during this messy middle time? And what are you going to replace in there? Thinking about the castle and the bolstering some of the walls and What's working? What's crumbling? What needs help? What pieces of foundation do you want to put into place for your life now in the messy middle? Like, what do you need right now? Do you need your folding screen behind you so your family doesn't interrupt you while they're getting a snack? Because you don't want to have to clean up behind yourself every time you get on a Zoom call? What kind of foundation do you want right now? What's lighting you up and asking you to make a difference in the world? What's that thing that's bringing you to joyful tears How can you embrace that and bring that thing into your life and into the world? Because the good news is that big change and real change and amazing new things all start with just that one tiny thing. My one tiny thing has been joy. It asked me to start a podcast six years ago. And by saying yes to that one tiny thing, everything else fell into place. So that's part one of the season five finale i cannot believe we are here thank you for tuning in and i will be back with the top 10 countdown from season five so i hope you'll come back for that and until then i hope that your days are filled with so much joy thank you so much for tuning in this week if you want to find out more about this episode including links to the things that we've talked about you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com and you can search for this episode right up there in the right-hand corner of the website and you'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is Three Joyful Things. It's where I take a look and give you guys the behind-the-scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including the inspiration, intention, and action. Along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram, where my handle is Jumpstart Your Joy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at Jumpstart Your Joy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.